exclusive podcast from Impact 89 FM. Now back to... And welcome to the Spartan Sports Wrap here on 88.9 WDBM East Lansing. Happy 4th of July and a happy Monday once again here at 88.9 WDBM. I'm Alex Shark. I'm going to be your host for the day. To my left is the one and only David DeFever. David, how was your 4th of July? It was everything I could ever imagine. So what did you do? You went up north? You wore some hot dogs? Yeah, yeah, definitely ate uh, a too many hot dogs. Yeah, got to hit the Muskegon River, you know, take that out, get the jet skis, the boat, tube in. It was uh, one successful 4th of July, to say the least. Yeah, sounds like a great time. And besides for the fact that you went up north, speaking of hot dogs, I know you went to the Tigers game, and as we talked about last week, we did not want to see $5 hot dogs no more besides for Justin Verlander maybe performing a little bit better. But we wanted to see a little lower hot dogs. I know you saw Justin Verlander at the game, and you did see lower prices. Yeah. <laughs> I actually was going to... I saw a hot dog vendor, and I was going to take a picture and send you. Four twenty-five. Four twenty-five. dollars 75 cents less than we thought, but still, I didn't, I didn't end up buying one, but... <laughs> no, very good, very good. As, as long as the, the price did get a little bit better, that's all that matters. But <laughs> welcome to today's show. We do have a jam-packed lineup on the agenda today. Of course, we always start our show with the question of the week. And what that is, for those of you who are your, it's your first time tuning in or whether you haven't really listened that much before at the beginning, this is how it works. At the beginning of each show, David and I ask a question. And the question can range anything from baseball to basketball to any sports question. And you have the listener, you the listener, have the opportunity to guess the question right. And if you know the answer to the question, you need to tweet at 89FM Sports Rap. Again, our Twitter name is at 89FM Sports Rap. You need to tweet your answer to our Twitter. And in future weeks, you have the potential to win some future giveaway prizes, whether that be a gym membership or another, you know, maybe a, a food coupon or whatever it is. We will have prizes in future weeks. But for now, as these last couple of weeks move on, you can tweet your answers to at 89FM Sports Rap and just show us, David and I, that you really know a lot about sports. So the question of the week is... With the home run derby going on tonight and you know, in the next couple hours or so, that's yeah. when it starts. Besides for Prince Fielder, who is competing this year in the home run derby, there were six former Tigers. Well, a couple of them are still on the team. There are six Detroit Tigers in history who have competed in the home run derby when it began back in 1985. Who are those six Tigers? So again, if you if you want to tweet at our Twitter at 89FM Sports Rap, you can see the question on the Twitter. Who were six former Tigers, besides Prince Fielder, who competed in the Home Run Derby dating all the way back to 1985? So, to help the listeners out a little bit, you know, six is a lot of names. And yes. You're nodding your head here. We're going to help the listeners out and give away two of the six names that you need to tweet in your answer. So, David's going to head. And the two that we're going to give away is Miguel Cabrera, who was in last year, two years ago in 2010, and then Brandon Inge somehow, don't know how, got in to the 2009 when I believe was Prince Fielder won that round or won that home run derby, but Brandon Inge actually had zero home runs when he competed, but those are your two so far out of the six, Brandon Inge and Miguel Cabrera. So just tweet the other four and we'll see, see if, if we have a it. winner. Yeah. That's right. And Brandon Inge back in 2009, ah, just grinning my teeth like a oh, Brandon Inge in the home run derby. Oh, no. 
But there are four more Tigers besides Cabrera Inge and, of course, Fielder, who doesn't count. But there are four more Tigers who have competed in the Home Run Derby in history. Feel free to tweet your answer to at 89FMSportsRap. And you also are allowed to call in during the show to talk about any of the topics we are discussing today. Whether it be Lions, Tigers, Pistons, whatever it is, feel free to call in 517-432-3893. Again, the number is 517-432-3893. Feel free to call in at any point of the show if you want to comment on an issue we're talking about, a question we're asking the listeners. Feel free to call in, and while you call in, if you don't want to tweet, you could also... You know, we'll we'll ask you if you know the answers on the air, and if you know it, feel free to tell us. We'll see if you get it right. But the lineup for today at 7:10, we will be discussing the recent hot dog eating contest, part of our Fourth of July special edition show. We're going to be talking about the recent hot dog eating contest. Is hot dog eating going to be a sport, a national sport? Do you qualify that as a sport? Is Joey Chestnut considered one of the top athletes if that is a sport? We will talk about that at 7.10. At 7.20, we will be talking about the Detroit Pistons. The Detroit Pistons today had their first summer league game, Orlando summer league game. They played the Utah Jazz today. Of course, the Pistons had a bunch of their recent draft picks playing in that game. Andre Drummond, you know, uh, Chris Middleton, and Kim English, to name a few. We're going to be talking about that summer game today, what we saw, and who we really like and well, who knows? We might have a potential starter in in this in this summer league on our hands here. At 7:25, Detroit Red Wings. They missed out on Suter and Parise. What is the next move for the Detroit Red Wings? At 7:25, 7:35, we will be talking Detroit Tigers. Verlander getting the start in the AL All Star game, and of course Prince Fielder starting in the home run derby tonight. Do you like the fact that Verlander is starting in the AL All Star game, but he's going to have to miss a start or two? So. Even though Verlander's getting the start, he's going to show off his stuff a little bit, that nasty curveball, that 100-mile-an-hour fastball he has. It's going to be interesting to see. You know, he's going to have to miss a start when they come back. Uh, you as a fan, do you like that? We will talk about that at 7.35. 7.45, the Spartans just had some recent Hall of Fame inductees into the Michigan Athletic Hall of Fame. We will be talking about that at 7.45. And capping off the show at 7.50, we are going to be talking about our goons of the week, our traditional our traditional part of the show of some athletes that we think are just a little bit goony for the week. So feel free to tune in and also call us, 517-432-3893 at any point during the show. If you want to comment, have anything to say about any of the sports issues we're talking about in today's world, feel free to call in. But to start off today, on July 4th, was the annual Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Contest in Coney Island, New York. And the man, Joey Chestnut himself, ate 68 hot dogs, tying his old career high. This was his sixth straight win here at, at the Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Contest. It was quite a show. Um, if, if For those of you who are listening who do remember past com- competitions for the Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Contest, they were c- previous competitors such as Kobayashi who was, you know, quite a champion for a long time. Yes. And he was not in attendance or cannot compete at this year's event, along with last year. And we're going to be talking about that in a few minutes or so. But Joey Chestnut, 68 hot dogs, it's his sixth straight win in the major league eating. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty funny to it, say. It does sound funny, too. <laughs> so the big question that we have, and we ask the listeners this, is national hot dog eating a sport? David, what are your thoughts on this? Totally disagree. I don't think being able to out-eat someone is considered a sport. It's very competitive in its own way. I mean, 68 hot dogs in 10 minutes. 
There's no way I could ever do that, <laughs> even in five hours. But incredible oh. to see that Joey Chestnut can wolf that many down in that small of a time frame. But um, I was actually reading this article uh, on the Bleacher Report, and they said competitive eating neither provides an environment that puts the human body through an extreme test. And they say eating until you're physically sick doesn't count, nor does it require mm. extre- extensive training on the part of the participants and eating a lot doesn't cut it as training, you know, just like preparing and eating. That doesn't, I don't consider that training either. So therefore competitive eating falls into the same category as poker, pool or billiards, darts and shuffleboard. It's a game, but it's not a sport. I mean, I, I can see the competitive edge that it brings trying to stuff your face more than someone else. And that it has to be hot dogs. And you actually have to eat the buns as well. You do. And they just give you a ton of water to make everything soft, go down easy. But in my opinion, no, it's not a sport. But I do give a round of applause for Joey Chestnut, uh, (laughs) you know, holding the the mustard belt for the sixth straight year. And uh, I'm actually looking at his picture right now online. It's kind of funny. He's just got a mouthful of just hot dog and hot dog buns. Just looks like he's about to finish off maybe his uh, 43rd hold off, hold off. I'm, about to, I'm about to eat dinner in a little bit i don't want to ruin anything here. and if the listeners if you are eating dinner i'd advise you to maybe tune off maybe just for a second here David <laughs> just did say that but back to joey chestnut david says no it is just a game me myself personally alex shark says yes hot dogging is a sport and this is why if you look up the definition of sport in the dictionary a sport is any athletic activity requiring skill or physical prowess and often a competitive nature the examples they gave are racing, baseball, tennis, bowling, hunting, fishing, and in the dictionary, they do cite poker in one of the dictionaries I'm looking at okay. right now. So, as, 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 as though that it is a game, that a hot dog game contest is a game, is a competition, for me, any physical activity, to me, makes this a sport. So, for what I'm going to say is, yes, hot dog eating is a sport, and Besides for racing when you're driving a car, yeah, you're not running, you're not doing anything physically, but when you're eating a hot dog, David, you are opening up your mouth, you're opening up your esophagus, all the <laughs> muscle contractions. It's a lot of skill to eat hot dogs, to eat 68 hot dogs. Joey Chestnut trains for years in other eating competitions. They do have a major league eating. So for me, my answer to the debated question is yes. National hot dog eating is a sport. And if you want to call in and talk about this issue... 517-432-3893. Is it just a game like poker? Is it a sport? And before we move on, there's one thing I do want to mention. If it wasn't a sport, it was covered by ESPN. So my question for you, David, if, is that if it's not a sport, then why would they put it on ESPN? Because ESPN puts anything on there. <laughs> I can I can do I do cite that I I can see that I mean with a six six time champion here I mean they gotta they gotta cover something for their new interns <laughs> it may not not be courtside at an NBA game but you might as well send them down to New York uh, to watch a guy stuff his face sure sure no I do see that but to me going back to Joey Chestnut and Kobayashi I want to do talk about Kobayashi here for a minute I mean this guy. Before Joey Chestnut did take over, this guy Kobayashi was completely dominant. Oh, exactly. He had all the titles before Joey Chestnut came along, and he took the title every year. That's right. And and before Joey Chestnut, two years ago, Kobayashi, um, the Major League Eating Conference. Okay, this is this is this is the Major League Eating. Okay, whatever, <laughs> however you say it. They gave a contract to Kobayashi to sign him to com- to future compete. I don't know what the contract entailed, but. 
think it was a good amount of years. They they wanted to, to present Kobayashi a contract to continue competing in Major League Eating. And Kobayashi refused to sign it, said it was ridiculous, you know, I don't want to sign no contract. So that's why he was banned and was not allowed to compete this year and the previous year. And if you remember the previous year, so this is two years ago, so not this year, this is the following year, this is two years ago. Yep. Kobayashi, you know, was banned, he was not allowed to compete. But Kobayashi was still there, watching from the crowd, jumping up and down like a little loon. He has a big sign, and no one really knew what he was doing. But Kobayashi himself, to me, I want to talk about him for a minute. I mean, this guy to me is the Chad Johnson of the NFL. I mean, this guy creates always a stir. I mean, he's quite the com- the comic himself. I mean, this is pretty much comparable to holding out of a contract in the NFL. You, you know, when you hold out of an NFL contract... You know, you're negotiating the contract, you're not practicing, you know, there's training camp, of course, but you're you're refusing, you're holding out. And and to me, Kobayashi is the Chad Johnson. I mean, you know, he's tweeting a little bit, he's he's still going there, he he's he's doing his own thing. So for me, Kobayashi is more of a Chad Johnson, and I don't know what your thoughts on this are, but this guy seems pretty wild to me. Yeah. I mean, after winning, loses to Joey Chestnut, doesn't follow a contract, just just becomes a face in the crowd. But is but is excited about it at that, which is kind of weird, like signs and everything at a hot dog eating right, contest. Right. Little much for me, but I don't know. He paid his dues. <laughs> <laughs> no, definitely. And back to our discussion: is national is major league eating a sport? Is is a hot dog eating contest a sport? I do want to read an interview that that Joey Chestnut did have with XX Sports Radio in San Diego, and this is what he said. Joey Chestnut, quote, I consider myself an athlete. I consider it a sport, but I can see that there's arguments for people who don't say it's a sport. There are people who can pick things apart if they try, but if you actually look at competitive eating and watch the contest, you'll see that we're pushing each other and you see the competition among the people on stage. So Joey Chestnut himself, saying he's an athlete, saying that it's a sport. So, first of all, but b- before we ask the question here that I'm about to ask, this co- this causes quite a bit of controversy here. I mean, this guy's saying that it's a sport. He's coming out and saying, you know, regardless of what people say, to me, this is a sport. It's obvious I'm an athlete. He also went on to say, I feel like eating 868 hot dogs. I trained for that contest for weeks and weeks and weeks, and I try to peak on the day of the event. So, Joey Chestnut here, obviously, he's training, he's practicing, so another question we have, besides for is it a sport, is Joey Chestnut considered one of the top 100 athletes of all time? Would you put him in the 100 athletes of all time? So if national, if the hot dog eating contest is considered a sport, you have that included in athletes. So all the participants are now athletes. Correct. Would you rank Joey Chestnut as one of the top 100 athletes of all time? I think he can make the list, but towards the bottom. Because if you think about it, there's not. I'm, they only have what four or five, four or five people that compete in it. They, I did read that they do have qualifying rounds to actually get in. Like, right. you can't just say, "Oh, I want to get in this, get on the big stage, and eat six hot dogs." Like, probably the most I would ever eat. But um, if they made it more competitive than it, what it was, because obviously it's a single person event. It's not like a team sport or anything like that. I think you could, in a sense, put him in the top 100, but towards okay. the bottom. I mean, he does have six titles. I mean, Jordan's got six titles. He's got more than LeBron, <laughs> more than most NBA players. That's and a very good point. There's a lot of all-stars that are in the Baseball Hall of Fame, Hockey Hall of Fame, that they've never won Stanley Cups or you know pennants or anything like that. Very true. This guy stuffs his face for 10 minutes straight. He's got six 
mustard belts hanging in his room, hanging in his house. Um, I I don't know if you want to have that as a reputation <laughs> later down the road, but um, yeah, he could possibly make the top hundred. But I would honestly say towards the bottom, since there's a lot more competitive sports, in my sure. opinion. Sure, fair enough, fair enough. I do see your point. Personally, for me, I mean, you you mentioned a very good point. You said he has more titles than LeBron James at this moment of time. So for yeah. me right now, I would put him in the top 50. And as biased as it may seem, as much as I do say it is a sport, I mean, if you really look at what the athletes have done and you look at him, I, I see him being in the top 50. I mean, you look at future athletes, you look at LeBron James. I mean, he's definitely over LeBron James. He's won more titles than him right now. It, it, that's what I think. But if you think otherwise, feel free to call in. 517-432-3893. Is hot dog eating a sport? Would you put Joey Chestnut on top of the 100 athletes of all time? Feel free to call in. But about that as well, we do want to talk about what he did by winning that competition. Joey Chestnut got $10,000, and he did win the prestigious mustard belt, as you were talking about earlier. And they do show it on SportsCenter. They did show the whole thing. But this this is what boggles me, David. The second place winner is a guy from New York named Tim Janis. He ate 52 hot dogs and only got $5,000. Yeah. Only $5,000. So he put all this effort, all this training into eating, and he wins $5,000. So, I mean, would you eat 52 hot dogs for $5,000? If my stomach can hold it, I would. <laughs> I mean, I don't. I honestly don't think that this is a profession for most of these guys. I think it's kind of like a side thing they do. They can eat. Their stomachs can hold that much and expand that much. I mean, I kind of watched a thing on Kobayashi and like how he expands his stomach and does this and does that. But outside of hot dog eating, I think these people have professions, which is really good. But uh, $5,000 for 52 hot dogs, as big as a stomach ache I'll probably have afterwards, I would say it's worth it. <laughs> uh, looking at our Twitter right now, Luke Ferris, who is following us, did tweet in, until Chris Berman announces the hot dog eating contest, I don't think we can qualify this as a sport. So Chris Berman himself, you know, setting the president, according to Luke Ferris here, I mean, it looks like Chris Berman really really dictates what happens. Yes. So if you do, feel free to call in. 517-432-3893 is hot dogging a sport. But in a few minutes, we're about to move on to another topic. But capping that off, Kobayashi, I mean, that nut. I mean, he was there. He was still watching the competition two years ago, and he still did not compete. So how would you rank Kobayashi? If it is a sport, would you put Kobayashi in that 100 top athletes of all time, David? No, I feel like he's almost retired and given up his throne to Joey Chestnut. I mean, obviously, Joey's got the last six. I know, like, when they first competed and and Joey was up there, like, is he going to be the first one to knock off Kobayashi? And then he does. Right. And now we haven't seen Kobayashi in years. I feel like he his stomach is done. He's given up. <laughs> he's just going to become another face in the crowd, oh. bring his signs every year. That's right. That's right. And... Now, yeah, I mean, I do see he could easily be just another somebody in the crowd. <laughs> but for for now, you know, David's going to say no. I'm going to say yes. Yes, it's a sport. I mean, Joey Chestnut, whether he's a good athlete or not, I mean, whether he's in the top 100 or not, yes. this guy is phenomenal. The 68 record-breaking hot dogs, tying his career high. For us, for David and I here at the Spartan Sports Wrap, that is phenomenal. In, in 10 minutes at that. That's <laughs> oh, that's oh. more than six hot dogs in a minute. True. Very true. Other other contests I want to read for the listeners out there. These are a list of other contests that people compete in. There's a baby back ribs eating contest. That it's called Rib Fest. They hold it in oh. Chicago once a year. 
Um, there are other contests with oysters, eating uh, like 100 pounds of, oyster, of oysters. Uh, oysters on the half shell, you get 1750 for winning that. Um, I mean, they've got all sorts of competitions here at the, at the Major League Eating Conference. So feel free to call in, 517-432-3893. We are in the studio right now if you do want to comment on anything talked about on the show today. Again, for those of you who are just tuning in, we always have our question of the week. And feel free to tweet at us at 89FM Sports Rap. And the question this week is, there are six Tigers, besides for Prince Fielder, who have competed in the Home Run Derby throughout its history. Who are those six Tigers? So before, we do have Prince Fielder. He does not count. So there are six other Tigers besides Prince Fielder who have competed in the, in the Home Run Derby. So if you know those six Tigers, feel free to tweet at us at 89FM Sports Rap. David and I, at the beginning of the show, we did give two off the bat. Those two were Miguel Cabrera and Brandon Inge somehow back in 2009. So there are four more Tigers besides for Cabrera and Inge who have competed in the Home Run Derby Contest. Who are those four? Tweet at us at 89FM Sports Rap or feel free to call in 517-432-3893. But moving on now, the Detroit Pistons had their first Summer League game today. Their first Orlando Summer League game. And we got to see a series of different rookies. We got to see Andre Drummond. We got to see Kim English. We got to see Chris Middleton. We got to see even Brandon Knight, who is already, you know, he's pretty solidified on the roster. But yes. he, he was playing down today. And even an Austin Day, who, you know, last year he, he was a little, you know, swerving in terms of his confidence of obtaining a roster spot. I and mean, he did not play very well last year. But besides <coughs> for Austin Day, there was Brandon Knight. And, and, and he did play very well today as well. Um, I do want to read for the listeners a few statistics for the day, for the game today. The Detroit Pistons did win. They did beat the Utah Jazz 76-73. Not that it matters too much. It isn't really, you know, the regular season yet. But um, the starting lineup for the Detroit Pistons today was, was Knight, Kim English, Andre Drummond, Austin Day, and Kyle Singler, who just recently came back. You know, he was playing, you know, last year. He, he had some troubles getting to the NBA. So he played this year, and he had 14 points today. He had only two assists, but he was 6 for 8 from the field, shot 75%, 2 for 4 to the line. But the point of us bringing up this topic, David, is I do want to comment on a statistic by Andre Drummond. Yes. Okay, Andre Drummond in the summer league today was 0 for 3 for the line. Last year at the University of Connecticut, mind it, this guy is 19 years old. Last year at Connecticut, he shot 29% from the free throw line. 29% at Connecticut last year. So, David, for Andre Drummond, this is our number nine pick. This was, some analysts thought this was the steal of the draft. Is this a caution flag for you? Yes, definitely. Free throw shooting. I remember it was Ben Wallace. They, at late games, they force you to throw it to the big guys because they always cover the point guard and shooting guard, the high percentage free throw shooters. They leave the big man open. They get right. the ball, automatic foul. You got a chance of them missing 0 for 2, going 1 for 2. It's very rare that they'll go 2 for 2, but we like to right, see that right, sometimes. Right. But 29%, I mean, the kid's young. He still has to develop, which I think, I mean, in most NBA, I'm pretty sure they work on free throws a lot, which, because right. half the game is free throws, if depending on how much a team fouls. But 29% is unacceptable. I don't care who you are. That's that's an awful stat to have. But right. I can only imagine that it will raise, it'll rise from then. But Ben Wallace, since 2002, has shot around the 40, 45% right. range. Right. And actually in 2008 and 2009, shot 25%. Wow. Which is absolutely horrendous. But hopefully 
Drummond can find the stroke from the line since, in, in my opinion, I don't care who you are, that's that's an easy shot. Right. No, no one's in your face, straight on, just breathe. Of course, and most of these guys have been playing for years. I mean, exactly. I mean he may be 19, but he's going to have years in the NBA. And you look at all the other players, like Ben Wallace, how long has he been playing? And he still can't get a hold of standing at the line and making a just a straight-in shot. Right. Before we go to the phones here, we do have a caller. I do want to mention that Brandon Knight had 17 points and 6 assists today in today's game. Kim English, though, was was probably the biggest star of the game. He did have 18 points. He was on fire. He was he was 3 for 4 th- from 3-point range. He hit all the... Th- there were 3 three-pointers hit by the Pistons today. They were 3 for 13 from the 3-point line. He hit all, all three, three of both. the three-pointers. So... Team English was a bright spot today. I mean, he's a little older. I mean, this guy's this guy's twenty. You know, he's twenty twenty four. I mean, he was at Missouri for you know a long time, and he was a leader on that team. But we are going to go to the phones. You are on the Spartan Sports Rat. This Alex. Yes, this is Alex. This, this is Elmo from Detroit. How you doing? Elmo, welcome back welcome. again for another week. Elmo, right now I don't know if you're listening. We are talking about the summer league game today, the Orlando summer league game. Andre Drummond, zero for three from the line today. He shot twenty nine percent last year at Connecticut. I mean, is this a red flag for you? Well, you know, I, I, don't, I don't think there's any excuses for uh, the big fellas not to make free throws at the free throw line. I mean, you guys got like you had guys like Dave Robinson, Tim Duncan. Right. There, there should be a problem. You see, find them from the Lakers and Paul Gasol. Never problems for the free throw line. Yeah. No, no. Excuse, no excuse for a pro not to make the big free throws. Okay. No. Fair enough. And, and besides, for Andre Drummond, as as poor as he did shoot from the line today, he did have eight. He did have eight points. I mean, he, he, he did have, like, four personal fouls, but he played pretty well. But, Elmo, I do want to ask as well, besides for Andre Drummond, Kyle Singler, from, if you remember him last year in his college career, he came back, and now he's playing for the Pistons. They've also got Kim English, and they got Chris Middleton. Which of these rookies, Elmo, do you see having his best career as a Piston? Who, Drummond? You, do you see Drummond having the best career? Because Kim English did play very well today. I mean, for me, I might have to go with Kim English here. Yeah, um, yeah. I think Drummond uh, might be a couple years to go. I mean, look how look how long it took uh, the guy we got. What was his name? Um, Darko. Yeah, right. Stink, right. Darko Stinko. Yeah. <laughs> it, 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 took, it took a long time for him to even get you know accustomed to the game. You know, pros is a big difference in college. Right. No, definitely. And, and and this guy, you know, he is eight. He is nineteen years old. He's only been in college for a year. And if you remember when LeBron James came to the league, David. I mean, this guy was only, you know, he did struggle a little bit at the beginning as well. Exactly, right. He was only 18, right? He came straight out of high school. Right, right. So, Elmo, I appreciate you calling in today. Uh, if you if you call in a little bit later in the show, we're talking a little bit of Tigers, a little bit of Red Wings. I appreciate you calling in, Elmo. Thanks for calling I in. Your, yeah, I love your show. Take care. Thanks, Elmo. So, there you have it yourself. Andre Drummond is what Elmo thinks. But feel free to call in. 517-432-3893. Which Pistons rookie will have the best career? Kim English today putting on quite a show. Sure. Is it Kim English? Do you like Chris Milton, maybe? That the four from AM creeping up? Or is it Andre Drummond? As bad of a free throw shooter as he is, hopefully he's not a Kwame Brown bust or a Darko Milicic bust, but maybe he can be a Dwight Howard. Maybe he's not going to be the best brief, best free throw shooter, like such as like Ben Wallace wasn't, mm-hmm. but maybe he can have a legitimate pro career. So feel free to call in or tweet at us at 89FM Sports Rap or call in 517-432-3893. Coming up later in the hour at seven at seven thirty, we're talking Detroit Red Wings. As soon as we get back from the break, they did miss out on the free agency. At seven thirty five, seven forty, we're talking Detroit Tigers, the All Star Game, the Home Run Derby coming up tonight. And at seven forty five, we're talking about the recent Spartans that were inducted in the Michigan Athletics Hall of Fame. And then, camping off the show at seven fifty, is our traditional goons of the week.
week. And our goons of the week entail people that we think weren't very smart in the sports world. But feel free to call in. 517-432-3893. We're going to jump to a quick break here at the Spartan Sports Wrap. And remember, our question of the day. What six Tigers have competed in the Home Run Derby throughout history besides for Prince Fielder? So besides for Miguel Cabrera and Brandon Inge, there are four other Tigers. Who were the six total Tigers? And feel free to tweet at us at 89FM Sports Wrap. Who were the six Tigers that competed in the in the home run derby throughout its history? We're going to jump to a quick break here at 88.9 WDBM East Lansing. We'll be right back. You are listening to the Spartan Sports Wrap. You're listening to Impact Exposure. more variety than you'll hear on any other station, listen to the Impact Primetime, Primetime, where you can find a different specialty show every night of the week. Tuesday nights from 8 until midnight, the Impact's progressive torch and twang brings you the best in alternative country and grassroots music. Only on Impact Primetime. You wouldn't send a text while using a chainsaw. Check out these pics of this huge tree falling. You probably wouldn't text while scuba diving. And you definitely wouldn't send a text while making out. You are so smoking hot. I love your elbows. Wait, hold on a second. Huh? I need to send this. OMG, I'm like totally kissing him right now. Dude, what the f***? So why would you send a text while driving? Well, that's different. That's what about 6,000 people who died last year said. Oh. And now, it's illegal in Michigan to read, type, or send any text from your phone while driving. It's a $100 fine for the first offense and 200 bucks after that. Ouch. Check out Michigan House Bill 4394. Be a part of the solution and save a life. And seriously, put the phone away while you're making out. Aw, come back, cuddle bunny. You need help. 88.9 The Impact. Now, back to Impact Exposure. And welcome back to the Spartan Sports Wrap here on 88.9 WDBME Slanting. Before we did take a break, we did talk a little bit about the Detroit Pistons, their summer league game today. We also did talk about the National Hot Dog Eating Contest in Coney Island, New York. Is it a sport? Is Joey Chestnut really a top athlete here in the United States? We talked about that a little earlier today. And before we move on to our other topics, if you do want to comment on any of those further those previous issues we talked about, 517-432-3893 or tweet at us at 89FM Sports Wrap. And we do have a winner for our question of the week. It is Brianne Harvey. She did get the six the six Detroit Tigers who have competed in the home run derby besides Prince Fielder. And they are Miguel Cabrera, Brandon Inge, Maglio Ordonez, you remember him a couple of years ago. Yep. Pudge Rodriguez, if you remember that, that was the Bobby Abreu year here in Detroit where he competed. And also Cecil Fielder, who back in the 80s, that was his prime time. And the last person who many people might miss is Damian Easley. If, if those of you who do remember back in the early 2000s, Damian Easley, former Tiger, did compete in the Home Run Derby. So congratulations to Brianne. Thanks for tweeting at us. And in future weeks, there will be future giveaways and prizes for your tweets. So get ready in future weeks to maybe earn a cool prize. So back to our discussion. Aside from the Detroit Pistons... We're going to now move on a little bit to the Detroit Red Wings. The Detroit Red Wings, as David is nodding his head, the most avid hockey fan here in the area, David DeFever. The Wings did have a little bit of a miss out, didn't they? They did. 
unfortunately, Ryan Sutter and Zach Parise's decided to ship up and join together and take their talents to Minnesota, which is the hometown of Zach Parise. And it was a very tough decision for uh, both of them. They've they've chatted with each other, wanting to play with each other. They played against each other. They've won a junior champion, a world junior championships together. Yeah. So I mean, I, I guess the the signing was mutual. Sure. They're both going to be there for 13 years. Right. And, and I do want to comment also on this. I was reading a couple of blogs earlier in the week about this dual signing. And the thing you got to note is for, for them, I don't think it was really about the money because no. because New Jersey did offer Parise as well. Detroit did offer both. But, you know, Suter and Parise, their families, you know, one of the wives is from Minnesota. Yep. And I mean, they both really came there together, and, and it wasn't really deciding on both of them where they went together. It was really best for both of them. And I do want to say that because many people out there do think they, they really planned it together, and they pulled a Miami oh, no. Heat decision. This was yeah. totally different. It was a huge—it's it's just a huge family thing. I mean, you don't want to separate from them alongside. It's nice that they both went together, but it was it, obviously it wasn't about the money because there were so many other teams that threw offers at them. It's just this was the best fit for them. And now they they join uh, Danny Heatley on the team. They got two solid goaltenders and Nick Backstrom and Josh Harding. It's going to be a good fit, and we'll see how the Wild do. Because if if you do recall, the last like the first quarter of the season last year, the Minnesota Wild were at the top of the league. That's right. And they just missed out on the playoffs. They kind of you know slumped down, couldn't really find that groove. But I mean, they're joining veteran players and in, in Koivu. And you got Heatley now coming from San Jose. Right. And, it, and now, David, do you think the Wild have a chance of winning the Stanley Cup right right now with their team, with the recent signings? It's possible. I mean, we just saw with the LA Kings, you never know what you can do. And adding those two to the Minnesota Wild, that's that's going to be a huge factor. And the one thing I, I do like about the Wild is they have that one-two punch in goal. Nick Backstrom's the number one goalie, but... I'm, the, the Detroit Red Wings have played against Josh Harding and have a struggle with the right-handed goalie. He's sure. young. He's, I think he's a better right-handed goalie than Chris Mason, who just went to the Predators. But right. I mean, it's a it's a solid one-two punch to have in goalie to you know be able to rest your starter and still have that confidence in your backup, which I now think that the Detroit Red Wings have with signing Jonas Gustafsson from Toronto. But the one thing that we were talking about is what do the Wings do next? In my opinion, I think it's defense. We lost out on Sutter. We got our goalie. We have the firepower up front. We've signed a couple more, you know, grimy guys, 2-2. And then we obviously got the goal scoring in Pavel Datsuk, Zetterberg. Hopefully Franzen can stay consistent all season. Hopefully, yeah. But in, who do you think should they go for? Do you see Doan coming to the wings? I I don't see Nash because he's a trade, mm-hmm. and that's going to be tough for most teams to get him. Or do we need to focus on the defensive end? Yeah, I mean, there obviously is a big focus on, def- on defense, and I know, David, you got a defense or two in your mind that they could go after. But for me right now, I think the, the easiest option, and, and who's most lenient, especially as much of a veteran as Shane Doan is, it, it is Shane Doan right now. I mean, this guy's expected to sign within the next week. I mean, they do need a little bit more firepower on those front lines, and and I'm not saying that they should offer a trade. I mean, they they do have a couple trade pieces, but yeah, it, as we talked about earlier before the show, there isn't really much that David and I think that the Detroit Red Wings can offer up trade wise. Maybe they could offer Flapula and, and a couple other guys, but there really isn't much trade value that they have, and without really depleting the roster. So for me, 
I'm going to go with Shane Doan and David. You've got a defenseman or two in mind. Yes, there's a handful of defensemen that are still on the free agent market right now. And the best one I think would be a good fit for the Wings is Yaroslav Spacek. He's a huge defenseman. He's right. still got a big shot. He's he's a little he's getting towards the age, but I mean mm-hmm. veteran defense that would be good. He's a really like stay-at-home defenseman, so he really okay. knows how to protect around the net. Not really much of a goal scorer. I mean, he does has a big shot, could help on the power play here and there. Yeah. But in the last seven seasons, he's gone plus sixty four, which is huge. So he, you know, he's keeping, he's staying on the ice when goals are happening. He's off the ice when people are scoring against him. Also, another um, defenseman from the Flyers, Pavel Kubina. He's right. also a solid defenseman. He's a big guy, which that's what I'm looking at right now. We lost Brad Stewart, who not many people thought was that good a defenseman, but he also shot blockings, getting in, getting in the lanes. He he also brought that physical presence, and that's what I think the Wings need to add and need to establish on the back end. And in Yaroslav Spot and Yaroslav Spacek and Kubina, they're big defensemen. They're six five, six six on skates, two forty, two fifty. Right. And that on the back end would be good. Also, another notable defenseman is Michael Rosevall from the Coyotes. Right. But um, Spacek would be probably my number one prospect, and I hope that Holland makes a move. I think we need to make one more move or two if we can. Right. Yeah, I agree. But I agree um, hopefully, Holland and the in the office general managers and stuff up up in uh, Detroit can really pull through and establish a team for upcoming years and make be able to make a good run at the cup this year. Sure. No, that's a very fair point. And before we do talk a little bit more about the Red Wings, I do want to note a tweet from Nate Siegel. He did get the six Tigers as well, but he also said Mickey Tettleton, who was a former Detroit Tiger in 1989, but when he competed in the Home Run Derby, he was on the Baltimore Orioles. So thank you, Nate Siegel, if you're listening. Thanks for tweeting that in. And so I guess there were seven former Tigers. That Technically, competed. yeah. Technically. So props to Nate Siegel. And if you do, feel free to call in. 517-432-3893. We're finishing up the Red Wings. Going to talk a little bit of Tigers and then our Goons of the Week at the end of the show. But you do have time to call in or tweet at us at 89FM Sports Rap. We will read tweets over the air if you do tweet at us. So, back to your point. You know, there is a defenseman that you do see in mind. But David, I got to ask you, you're the hockey expert here. Jay Bomeister. Bomeister. I do want to ask about him because, I mean, Calgary right now, they are tight on cap. Yes. They are looking to get rid of a defenseman, and I think, correct me if I'm wrong, you can maybe get him for relatively cheap. Oh, I did not know that. That's that's new news to me about Bowmeister, but if we could add Bowmeister, wow. That that's huge. Yeah, yeah. I I don't know if I'd take him over Ryan Suter, but since he's already gone and his contract's full, but if we we can probably give is it a trader is Yeah, well so the thing about Bowmeister is he they are a little bit over they're going towards over the cap and they are, they want to make another signing, you know, yeah. trying to help out the Aguilla line, you know, back to that, that that you know, back to that previous Calgary team. But they are trying to get rid of Bowmeister and since the the NHL teams do know that Calgary is at the end of their cap, they know that Bowmeister, they're trying to get rid of him. So they might not need to offer up as many trade pieces as they would for maybe like a Rick Nash. Exactly. You know what I mean? But the thing about Bowmeister I also do want to add is this is a perennial player I mean, in the NHL. I mean, you compare him to the other options that the Red Wings do have. I mean, this for me looks like maybe the best option. But if you, the listener, do have another option or do think Bowmeister is a possibility... Feel free to call in 517-432-3893 or tweet at us at 89FM Sports Rap. So David, the expert hockey guy, has two defensemen in mind who he just stated, and there's also the possibility of Bomeister. So 
So moving on now from the Detroit Red Wings, we're going to talk about our beloved Detroit Tigers. The Detroit Tigers now have won five straight, capping off before the All-Star break. Looking hot, looking hot. Yes. Verlander getting the start in the AL All-Star game. You know, this is a subpar Verlander year, but he still does get the start. And also Prince Fielder right now currently competing in the Home Run Derby. So besides for Prince Fielder and Justin Verlander, I do want to ask the listeners... How do you feel about Verlander and Prince competing? Would you not want Verlander to start? Because the thing you have to realize is with Verlander starting, when he comes back after this All-Star game, he's going to have to miss his start in the first five games. So he's going to have to wait six or seven games to maybe rest up his arm from the game and then maybe get back in that regular rotation once they go through the one, two, three, four, five. So if you since Verlander is starting... Is that a good move for a Detroit Tiger fan? David, your thoughts? I like the fact that he's starting because he's, he's earned the position. or He obviously hasn't had the best year since compared to last year as the MVP and the Cy Young winner. Right. But I, you do make a very valid point. I mean, and the team that they come back to is the Orioles, who right now are killing it yeah. in the MLB, which You're a lot right. of people didn't see. But taking and especially winning five straight games before the All-Star break— to come back to your ace, you know, after day's rest for the rest of the team, it'd be nice to see him on the mound, but I don't know. Like, I, I like him on the mound in the All-Star game. He's earned his spot. You know, it's the spotlight. He's only going to pitch a couple innings, but rules are rules, and you gotta you got to have your day's rest. But it's kind of iffy, but you don't hear many players backing out of All-Star games, which I think getting a start, too, as a pitcher is a big deal. If you look at it, in the last five starts, he's won four. He's 9-5, 2-5 ERA, which is a little high. Right. But um, he's got five complete games. He's almost pitched another no-hitter this year. Sure. 128 strikeouts and 132 innings. And he's actually the first pitcher to start in the All-Star game since 2006 when Kenny Rogers took the mound. Wow. Which... Remember, he was old as dirt when he retired. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah, right. But um, I like that he's starting just because like he earned his spot. But it does like what you said, it mentioned mentioning that it can hurt the team how he's got to sit out maybe that whole series at, at against Baltimore, and it's and both games are in Baltimore. Right. So it would be nice to see him on the mound the first game. You know, try to get that winning streak continuing past the All Star game. But I like him starting. But also what you said, he does. We do. M- risk the chance of falling down into a loss streak now. Right, right. And no, that's a great point. I mean, we do want to show that the Detroit Tigers, you know, we do want to want to want to want to show teams that they need to fear this Detroit Tiger team this year. And this is quite to be, you know, one of the World Series prominent guesses out yeah. of Vegas this year. I mean, Expecting to win. Sure, sure. So, I mean, it is nice to see the reigning AL MVP get the start again. Some people thought, you know, it was going to be a Jerry Weaver, someone else in the AL, and of course in the NL, yeah. it is Matt Cain who gets the start. But back to Verlander and Prince Fielder, I'm going to say no. And the reason for that is, I looked up this stat, and this was on 97.1 The Ticket okay. last week. This was a stat about Prince Fielder's batting average right after the All-Star, right after the, the All-Star break. Back in 2008, when he competed in the Home Run Derby, his first 20 games, okay, his first 20 games after the Home Run Derby, take a guess for what his batting average was. 300? The batting average for Prince Fielder after 20 games was 250. Oh. So, in years past, in history past, 
it does show that Prince Fielder could struggle here after the All-Star break, but hopefully this year will be different. But, I mean, not that stat alone. That alone does not want me, you know, does not make me not want to see these guys play. Yeah. The real reason that, that I do not want to see these guys play is because of injuries. I mean, we've seen many, many games in the past where, where some guys get injured and, and it throws off the rhythm a little bit. And rhythm is so key in baseball. In this three-day break, you know, we've seen many teams throughout throughout playoff history pass that are playing very well before the All-Star break. They have the little break, and then they falter. So feel free to call in. 517-432-3893. Again, that's 517-432-3893. Would you want to see Prince and Verlander compete? Do you really not like Prince Fielder in the Home Run Derby? Do you not want Verlander starting at all? Feel free to call in or tweet at us. But a little bit more on the Tigers now. We do want to talk about what they need to do before the trade deadline, David. Is there any moves that you think that they need to make? I'm still caught up on the whole second baseman ordeal. Right. I just don't think it's not strong enough. We we need to fill that spot so that we can have that playoff push. We can't really have any flaws in the lineup when you're entering the playoffs. Everyone's got to be on their game, on their streak, feeling good, being ready showing up to games, and that's what we need. We've seen the five-game win streak, which is fantastic, and we hope that continues. But that second baseman spot, in my opinion, still needs to be filled. Right, and and I do want to mention something, and I'm not trying to hop on the the bash Jim Leland bandwagon here, but Ryan Rayburn, okay? We've seen this guy struggle. I mean, a lot of people think this guy needs to go back to AAA right now. You know, we're going to be, you know, as as, as non-biased as possible. But, I mean, this guy was started over Quentin Berry, on Friday because Jim Leland said to the press that Ryan Rayburn does perform better against lefties opposed to, you know, to, to Quentin Berry, who is a lefty himself. Yeah. So he gave Ryan Rayburn the nod over Quentin Berry that day. That day, he didn't even perform. And recently, in the recent days, I mean, we've seen Ryan Rayburn, Rayburn make errors on fly balls. We've seen him, you know, not make a ground ball throw to first. I mean, this guy, I don't know what your thoughts on this, David. I mean, this guy has really struggled. Yeah, he just seems to can't he can't find his groove and when yeah. and like you said it's all about rhythm and when someone gets into the slump like that it's only going to progress into something worse into something worse batting average misplays errors and that's what the Tigers don't need and I understand that Leland looks at the whole left-handed pitching and and hitting and whatnot but Quentin Barry is just coming out of nowhere and in my opinion has proved himself to be in this lineup every night. Yeah. I don't know your thoughts, but do you think has he's made a spot? Do you think he's past Rayburn? Because you know how you said a couple weeks ago that Rayburn, you know, when he first came to the Tigers, you know, really had that shine. Are we seeing that in Quentin Barry? Yeah, I mean, we definitely are. But, I mean, before we, we say if he deserves the rollover Rayburn, I mean, I, I do think that Ray and Ra- Ryan Rayburn does have tools. I mean, Yes, he this, does. This guy can hit. As much as the Tigers did not make the playoffs last year, he did perform in the final games, if you remember. He did have some very clutch home runs. He has contributed to this team as non-biased as possible. I mean, this guy, he can perform. I think he does have it in him. Yes. But for right now, I mean, this guy is struggling to its finest. But but on a happy note here, we got to note Delman Young. Oh, he's just on fire lately. I get the updates on my phone, and it's Delman Young home run, Delman Young home run. I'm yeah. like, he's coming out. He's coming. He's Performing at the right time. Right, I mean, and he's so young too. The guy's 26 years old. He's still got a bright future ahead of him. So feel free to call in. What do the Tigers need to do before the trade deadline? What are your thoughts on Prince competing? I mean, this guy could falter after he gets back. Same with Verlander. Feel free to call in. 517-432-3893. Only about 12 minutes left of the show. For the remaining 12 minutes, we are going to talk about the recent Hall of Fame inductees into the Michigan Athletics Hall of Fame. And we're also going to talk about our Goons of the Week our traditional last segment of the show of people who we think did not really do a good job in the sports world. 
But back to our Tigers, yeah, I mean, right now, besides for, you know, the little Ryan Rayburn second baseman faltering, Delman Young playing well, I do want to note that the Detroit Tigers rotation, the pitching staff, you're leading the whole American League in strikeouts. And that's a big deal because there are many talks about Cole Hamels getting traded right now. Some of the analysts, like, you know, you know, there's some ESPN analysts saying that they could see him heading to Detroit, maybe. That Detroit might make, maybe pick up another pitcher and, and maybe replace him with Fister, you know, who has, you know, he does have a very bad losing record so far. But, I mean, do you see them maybe adding a pitcher? They are leading in strikeouts, but... Is this a good potential move they could make? If if they can get Cole Hamels, I mean, why not? I mean, he's a lefty, correct? Yeah. And he's coming out of Philly? Right. The Philadelphia Phillies. He's, I mean, lefties are hard to bat against, in my opinion. Just come, the way they come off the mound is a little different than a righty. But, right. I mean, Cole Hamels, he's proved himself in the, at, at Philly. He's won, he's won a pennant. He's got the fastball. He's... Still dropped to twelve to six. I think he's a good pitcher on the mound. I've I've liked how he's he's performed in his MLB career, and if we can get him for someone like Doug Fister, I mean that's a steal for the Tigers in my opinion. Yeah, no, definitely. I, I do see your point, but feel free to call in five one seven four three two thirty eight ninety three. It's the last ten minutes of the show. Before we get to our goons of the week, we're gonna we're gonna recap what just happened in the MSU sports world. There were six MSU former Spartans who were inducted into the Michigan Athletics Hall of Fame this past week. Headlining those group, that group there were Carl Banks from Flint and Sean Respert of Detroit. Carl Banks here was a four-year contributor. He was a four-year letter winner. He was first-team All-Big Ten his sophomore, junior, and senior years. And remember, this was a time when Carl Banks was here. MSU was not really nationally recognized yet. So it's very nice to see Carl Banks getting named in the Hall of Fame, you know, as great as he was. And even Sean Rusper. I mean, he has 2,531 career points at MSU. I mean, this guy was a phenomenal basketball player back in the day. Second to him is Steve Smith. So you remember Steve Smith, you know, the professional basketball player as well. So Sean Rasford also inducted into this Michigan Athletics Hall of Fame. It's great to see. And the other inductees, the other four, were Emily Bastel from golf, Clinton Jones, he played football and track here, Diane Spolstra, any relation to Eric Spolstra? I wonder. Possibly. Um, she did women's basketball, softball, and volleyball. And then there's George Zapula. And he did men's gym. He was a men's gymnastics coach here. So, congrats to those six Spartans inducted into the Michigan Athletics Hall of Fame. And director Mark Hollis did come out and say today, "We're excited about our inducted our inducting another quality class in the MSU Hall of Fame. Congratulations to them! So, congratulations to all those recent inductees, and and we'll maybe hope to see a couple future Spartans in, in the future and into the into a, another potential class. But moving on now." Um, we do want to cite an article that did come out today by a buddy of mine, Stephen Brooks. He, he does work for the State News. Um, he came out today and wrote about four former Spartans, four far, former Spartan athletes who are now flourishing in other endeavors in today's world. So those four future Spartans, four f- former Spartans that he did write about were Greg Jones, Ross Weaver, Eric Smith, and Drew Neitzel, and I'm going to talk a little bit about them for a second, and then I'm going to ask you your thoughts, David. So Greg Jones, if you the listeners do remember last year, he did propose at the Super Bowl last year, and for that, you know, for that that champion Giants team, and the reason Stephen did write about him today, he did get married this past weekend on July 6th. So congratulations, we at the Spartan Sports Rap, David DeFever and Alex Sharg here, we want to wish a congratulations to Greg Jones on, on getting married to. You know, to his bride uh, on July 6th this past weekend. Another person that Stephen did write about was Ross Weaver. 
Uh, he's a former cornerback at MSU, and he got a look at the Detroit Lions practice squad. So okay. we do want to congratulate Ross Weaver. Um, you know, he was undrafted in the, in the 2010 NBA draft. So congrats to him, you know, making some moves, walking on a practice squad. Um, the third guy that Stephen wrote about is Drew Neitzel. Drew Neitzel, as we all do remember, was in that 2008 team. Um, you know, that was with the Paul Davis year when he was dominant center, and Drew Neitzel was a phenomenal three-point shooter in the tournament. Yep. And they did go very far that year, but he was also undrafted in the dra- in, in the NBA draft in 2008. So as much as he was a great college player, I guess, you know, the pros did not look at him very often. But recently, this year, he's getting some looks in the developmental leagues. He got another look at another team, so congratulations to him. And then finally, Eric Smith. You know, he's been on the New York Jets now. Uh, he's their safety, and now he's in the national spotlight. He's got Tim Tebow and Mark Sanchez together. He's got a promising New York Jets team. So out of the four, you've got Greg Jones, who got married, Ross Weaver, you know, walking out, walking on now at the Lions. You've got Drew Neitzel, you know, working his way right. in the NBA Developmental League, and Eric Smith, the safety for the New York Jets in the national spotlight. David, which of these four guys do you think is going to have the most success moving on from here? Well, I think it's an easy eye-opener, Greg Jones. He's... <laughs> First year, got his Super Bowl title, and one of a couple more, hopefully, that he gets in, in New York. Right. I mean, despite being drafted in the sixth round, I honestly think he's going to be a huge part for the New York Giants defense. They're, you can see that they're a very, very strong defensive line, and they got a good yep. linebacker crew. He is kind of a smaller linebacker if you compare him to everything else, but I like him as a fit. He kind of reminds me of like how Justin Tuck progressed in in uh new york he came he came from notre dame he was actually a linebacker at notre dame now he plays defensive line and he's one of their guys gets to the quarterback all the time but i can see greg jones you know being a starter and being a leader for the giants on the defensive end and he was team captain or linebacker captain for the spartans i can just see him progressing a lot in the nfl he's just going to keep learning and only getting better and will see multiple championships from him hopefully yeah no very good point i do see greg jones he has won a super bowl already composed to you know some of the other guys on here but i mean i do see a bright future also for eric smith i mean this guy is on a prominent you know new york spotlight i mean the media there they're all there and uh and he's gonna perform pretty well on that team and he's got some tebow now they're looking to maybe make a super bowl in the future so you know between eric smith and greg jones these two former spartans are definitely making their way in the nba so feel free to call in there are five minutes left in the show 517-432-3893 feel free to call in alex shark david defever here on the spartan sports wrap this is 88.9 wdbm east lansing and now comes our favorite show our favorite our favorite yes. segment of the show. Goons. Our goons of the week. And this week, David, I don't know if you want to start it off, but we've got a couple of them. All right. I'll start off. All right. Last year, last week's goons of the week, we didn't have time to do it. It was the track. It, it goes out to the uh, USA track field um, affiliates or whoever decides the win. There was a tie for the third place in the 100-meter dash going into the Olympics. Right. And two people from the USA tied exactly. They called it a dead tie. And they said, you can either race again or flip a coin. Oh. You're not flipping a coin to get into the Olympics. I don't care who you are. That's not right. It's, that's, it's oh. just not right. You don't do that. But this week's Goons of the Week, Tiger Woods and Phil Mickelson. Both missed the cut for the Green Breer Classic. Tiger shoots a 71 and a 69 and mixes the cut by one stroke. Phil Mickelson shot two rounds of 71. Wow. A little fun fact. This is the third time that Tiger has missed a tournament after a victory. And then this is the ninth time he's 
he's missed the cut in his career, which isn't too bad. But coming after <laughs> off a of victory, you think that some they would build that momentum. But I know golf swings can come, swings can go. The way you play, it's inconsistent or just finding your rhythm. But it there's a lot of people who had had them in going into Sunday to try to win it, and neither of them made the cut. But besides them losing, uh, shout out to Ted Potter Jr., who beat out Troy Kelly in the third playoff hole and won the Green Beer Classic. So Tiger Woods and <laughs> Phil Mickelson, your goons of the week for me. <laughs> Very good, David. I do definitely see those those two guys being goons. I mean, so uncharacteristic, as you said. I mean, the Tiger Woods missing the ninth time in his career. I mean, can't even remember the last time before he started when he missed so many so many opportunities like that. But I do want to point out before we close the show another goon of mine, and my goon is Justin Verlander. And as much as he is starting the All Star game, I do want to do want to cite a story that was written by James Schmel from M Live this week, and he came up with this Justin Verlander story. On uh, this what this happened like you know a couple days ago, uh, Justin Verlander's car. Uh, this happened um, this past Sunday. On his way to the game, he took a town car. He instead of driving his, his traditional car, he took a town car. He took he had a, he had a personal driver guy driving him. So he took a town car on his way to the game, and the car broke down <laughs> on his way to the game. And thank goodness he was not pitching. Oh, and thank horrible. God, you know he, he. Thank goodness he wasn't doing anything specifically. But um, Justin Verlander did come out and say at first the air conditioning went out and then the windows wouldn't go down. So it was like a sauna in the car. Verlander also came and said, quote, but the car was still going, but not for long. About three miles from the stadium, it started rumbling, he said. And then he went on to say, it's nothing to get upset about. I had fun with it. And right after his car did break down, he was thinking about tweeting someone to come pick him up. But he was only three miles from the stadium. But it's just very funny to hear a story like this. You know, a professional athlete on his way, a car breaking down, these guys got the money, you know. Exactly. I was saying, if he did start, that would be horrible. He just gets pulled, gets picked up by a team manager, hops on the field, you know, gets dressed in the dugout or whatever. Oh, yeah. I think it's hilarious. Very good point. Yeah, what if he was starting? They're gonna be, are they going to wait for him at the game? They're going to have the first pitch at 7-10, 7-15? He's in the park. Lot, don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> no, definitely, definitely. And other thing to note about this is right after the game, you know, he, he said, screw the car. He's going to go hop on his private jet and fly his family to the All-Star okay. game. So our goons of the week are Justin Verlander and, as David said previously, Tiger Woods and Phil Mickelson, you know, missing the cut for the PGA Tour together, these prominent golfers. And then last week we had a couple as well, but we did not get to the Olympic, you know, the Olympic trials and the yep. race when they had to flip a coin. They had to flip a coin to decide whether or not they're going to decide between first, you know, second place. So our goons of the week are this week, you know, Tiger Phil, Justin Verlander, and of course the Olympic mess. So I want to appreciate everyone for calling in and tweeting at us today. We do want to congratulate Brianne Harvey for getting our question of the week right and Nate Siegel for a little minor correction that he didn't note. But we will be back next Monday here on the Spartan Spar Trap. We will be back here next Monday from 7 to 8. The same station, the same two. Alex Shark, David DeFever coming at you again next week. This is WDBM 88.9 East Lansing. I'm Alex Shark. And I'm David DeFever. We'll see you next week. You've been listening to the Spartan Sports Wrap on Impact Exposure. Tune in every week for more of the greatest sports information, news, and analysis. Here and only here on Impact 89FM.